What's up, people? Welcome back to Noise Advocation Podcast, the weekly show on all things music-related. I am your host, Ryan, here with Jeremy, as always. How's everybody doing this fine week? This fine... Technically, it'll be Monday when it's released. Anyway, uh, you can find me at Slave on Instagram for anybody that cares to check out my personal page. And you can find the podcast at Noise Avocation Podcast on Facebook and at Noise Avocation on Instagram. Feel free to message, question, comment, and tell us how awesome or shitty we are doing. Yeah, I guess you could do either. You know. I'll take the constructive criticism. My kid's been getting constructive asshole comments on his personal YouTube page. I find it amusing. <laughs> it builds character. It does. Um, so this week we're going to go over no effects and just talk about the band in general and the announcement of their upcoming uh, final tour that they're going on. Just kind of give a brief history of the band and things they've done, accomplished, you know, whatever. But before we get into that, we have a little bit of news that we're going to get into. I was reading an article yesterday or the day before on Metal Injection. I think I read it on Rolling Stone originally, but then I found it on Metal Injection. But about how uh, vinyl sales from this last year are coming to a standstill instead of growing like they Basically, were the last yeah, few years. Basically, yeah, Yeah. But... Then I also read at the end of that article that in 2022, vinyl broke another sales record. So, right. I mean, is it really plateauing or is it just kind of there wasn't as many releases in 2022 or the economy or see, I think is it's it Taylor a, Swift's fault? Well, see, that could be it too. I mean, there's so many variables in that. I think a lot has to do with during COVID, everybody, now nah, I don't say everybody because I sure as fuck wasn't getting it, but everybody was getting money from the government to stay at home to spend. Yeah. And uh, $900 in our neighborhood a week is a lot of fucking cash. It was 1200 $1,200? Oh, if you have a kid, right? Oh, they did the kid thing where it was like 250 per kid or whatever per month. Yeah, see, I had to so, work through this. Bullshit. And then... Um, there was like a few different stimulus checks that were varying amounts. I don't right. remember exactly what the amounts were. And everybody, I believe, working got, even not working, got the stimulus checks. And so, you know, yeah. everybody had extra money to throw around. I believe that had something to do with it. They and call it revenge spending, I guess. Like once people were, once everything opened back up again, like when we were allowed right. to open the store and stuff, like people wanted so badly to be out of the house that they were out about. Like, they impulsing, had yeah, fucking buying They anything. had extra money, and they weren't second-guessing their purchases because, right. fuck, for all we know, the world was ending then, you know? like Or that's what they made it seem like. Oh, sure. So I think that right now, being that gas is expensive, um, fucking eggs are expensive, 
and like groceries in general and oh, just, utilities and like right. every everything is just up. the inflation itself so when it comes to buying records like people don't have the extra cash just to throw around uh, around like they were a couple years back well now see what that article tells me then based on like what you just said which makes total sense is that maybe there's not a lot of new people recent like for instance in the last year because of the money situation you don't have more people taking a chance and buying records or getting into the uh, hobby or collecting or if they're just doing it for financial gain it's a little more they don't have that extra money a little more risky to do now but then everybody that is into into it for the music sense is that kind of maybe plateaued off to where now there's that core group of people and that's going to drive drive it maybe yeah instead of people just grabbing it because it's the cool thing to do or whatever right. yeah. which that's what kind of the taylor swift i mean she sold almost a million physical copies of a fucking record yeah i got the numbers in here we'll get into that in a second but the Amazing. article does say that according to a report by Billboard, vinyl sales only grew 4.2% between 2021 and 2022. Um, but for example, vinyl sales grew 46.2% between 2019 and 2020 and 51.4% between 2020 and 2021. So yes, it's still massively popular, but growth is certainly leveling off after years of basically a straight line up. Well, I want to just put this out there for people that may or may not understand, like, the percentage thing. Uh, what was it, 4.3? From like the 2021 one. to 2022, 4.2. All right, 4.2% is fucking huge, dude. It's just that 46 point whatever percent is just unthinkable as a profit margin. Yeah, because the years prior to all this, like, vinyl's still always been around, but the exponential growth that happened in those last few right. years was like astronomical. Right. It was just fucking because insane. I think one, because there was more independent stores popping up. Two, there's big box stores now that sell records again. Yep. So like Walmart, Target, um I don't know if Best Buy sells records, they but do. Uh, they do. Okay. Or right, they do, yeah, that's right. Because like, I read that they for all kinds of different shit. I now. read that they took off all their CDs off the shelf, but replaced everything with records. I read oh, that. I like, do remember that article. Yeah, it was like a yeah. few years ago. Yeah. But, I mean, all of that being a factor is obviously going to help the crazy growth of it. A couple other things that were on there that I thought were interesting was, um, like, bullet points from the interview or yeah, from yeah, the yeah. article. Yeah, yeah was that vinyl made up 43.4% of all physical media sales in 2022. 48% of all vinyls sold in U.S. stores were bought at independent record stores, while 32.8% was bought online. Which means a lot of people aren't buying shit from Walmart and Target, which is cool. Yeah, which is great. Like, 48% coming from independent stores. Yeah, that's fucking, fucking awesome. That's awesome. And I would much rather see an independent store get the business than Walmart or whoever, because you're not. Exactly. We covered this in the um, What Makes a Good Record Store episode, how 
if you go to Walmart, you're not going to get that experience or Target Fuck or wherever. Man. Like, the people that are there don't even know their fucking head from their ass uh, to be huh. able to tell you the difference on something. Or if a person was, like, <clears throat> more of an in-depth enthusiast and wanted to know, like, I use Led Zeppelin, for example, like, because that's a record that big stores always have. If they wanted to know, like, is this master sourced from a digital recording or an analog recording or when was it used, you know, like, they ain't yeah, going to be able to tell you shit. They don't have to know it. So, yeah, they're not trained in it. They don't have a record specialist at Walmart, which <laughs> I'm glad that they don't. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Because stay in your own lane, Walmart. Yeah. But, uh... Another thing was rock music made up 51.83% of all vinyl albums sold in 2022, which is probably Led Zeppelin and Motley Crue and... Oh, yeah, all the fucking... All the big names. All the uh, Midwest fucking classic rockish type shit. Yeah, but it's, it's almost not even like, yes, kids are buying it, and by kids I mean like anywhere from teenagers to 18 yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. 21 whatever like yeah they're buying it but like i see a lot of people that are in their 40s who yep. are like being reminiscent of the music they grew up with yep. who are getting the records now and sometimes kids surprise you like younger kids like buying frank sinatra and ink spots and shit like that to where yeah, you're like what, what the fuck why are you but i don't know they yeah, you want to get in that brain and be like, "What do you guys want next?" Yeah, like, how so did you? you get on that how did you find the ink spots or, yeah, to begin random. with? And I also uh, thought that it was a a good bullet point in that was the um, only half of people that buy records own a fucking turntable. Yeah, I saved that statistic for because I wanted to talk about that. Oh, right, right, right. Like, for one, like I can. I guess to me, as a collector, it kind of baffles me. Now, I put myself outside of that and think about it from looking in to where I'm like, anybody who bought one record is part of that statistic. Correct. So, let's say, I'm going to pull a random name out of the hat here. Let's say you're an Elvis Costello fan, and you have magazines fucking tour books pictures posters okay. t-shirts whatever bobbleheads um i don't know if there's an elvis costello funko yet but if there isn't i'm sure there will be at some point Fuck, i hope there is so let's say you're just a huge fan of that and you buy you don't own a record player you buy one of the records because you're like oh, i just love elvis oh, like costello it's, like a, wall so it's like a wall hanger or a collectible or whatever and Let's say maybe you do that with a handful of your other favorite artists and you're just kind of framing them and whatnot, whether you buy them new or you're looking for an old-looking cover or whatever. Um, I can understand that. Now, if you were a person who's buying records like you and I buy them. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you buy a handful of albums, you know, every week, every other week Always or whatever. Digging. So. Yep. And I'm always buying stuff myself, and I have other customers who are always just, I mean, they're grabbing three, four, five, six, sometimes ten things a week or whatever. If you are buying that amount of albums and don't own a record player, yeah, to me, that, that doesn't make sense. But if it's just like a one-off thing as a collectible, I can understand. So 
I don't know. That statistic kind of it, – it's baffling to me really that like with how accessible they are, like that nobody – or that amount of people don't own a record player if you're a frequent buyer. If you're just a couple one-off, whatever, that, yeah, even that is what a, it is. Even let's say I was doing it just as, just for financial gain. You would think at some point the person would get curious just to be like, what the fuck? How am I making this kind of money off of this piece of plastic? I got to hear what the fuck is going on. Like, yeah. don't you think at some you would, point? You would think so. But... I mean, but this is coming from a person that I I have two running turntables at the moment. Like, I have, you know, four. You have four going at the like plugged in. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, not currently because I just moved. Oh, I always say I just have two. But um, like I have one in my living room, and I got one in oh, the music okay. room, I got you. I got and you. then like my kid has one in his room, I and so I mean I have multiple, and I like I have one in the store, so I guess I'm counting. The store would be the fourth. I have three in my house. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. Or no, no, no. I have. I'll have four because I have that. Um, I have that full Macintosh setup. Well, either way, you have that I'm using an old Pioneer with multiple turntables. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's to some. But I guess I don't know anybody that has say over a hundred albums that that has no that way has to no play anything. Yeah. I don't either. But so it's kind of hard. And. There may be some people who are like, oh, I don't have the space for it or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. have the cash. I don't have the knowledge. I don't, you know, I don't know where to begin. It's overwhelming. There's not enough. There's too many things out there and nobody to point me in the right direction. It can um, be hard. If that's the case, I mean, that's what I'm here for. Like, you can come to the store, ask me questions, email the store, whatever. I, I'm happy to help people get up and on their feet when it comes to playing albums, however Right. Is financially fit for you. Like, I understand everybody doesn't just want to drop $800 on a turntable. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, if it, if the lack of knowledge is the issue, then, like, we're here to help give you that knowledge. Oh, now it's, like, yeah, when it comes to um, if somebody, I, I, it goes back to why I don't understand, like you said, don't understand how you can't have a turntable when, for 30 bucks, you can get something that will at least play whatever you bought. It might not play it well, but yeah. it's still there. I don't know. It's like It seems like right now vinyl <clears throat> and uh, turntables are more, you know, the most accessible they've been since I was since born. Since the heyday. Yeah, yeah, you know. So pretty accessible. So I do find that um, statistic, you know, kind of baffling, as you said. It is, I Almost just like an it is an enigma. It is weird, but I mean it is what it is. At least at least they're buying. No, I, that's I can just say it. That. Either like way, a, it's still driving. Yeah. It's a part of the fucking drive. Which I would also have to think included in that would be those fucking cocksuckers that go online and buy like thirty of every album and then just flip them on eBay for double the price. Yeah, I could see them being in that too. Cause I mean. And you don't get, like, an accurate description, grading, whatever, from those people exactly. because they're not too well-versed in it as far as the selling side of things go. Yeah, Especially I don't even know if they physically fucking touch them, to be honest. Yeah. New is one thing because you can presume that it's supposed to be near mint when you're, right, you know. Right, right. 
But like when you get into used albums, and especially if you're getting into expensive used albums, like people want to know every little small nuance of that record. Like, is there a pop on side A? Is the dead wax like all scratched up from somebody needle dropping too hard? Is well, there, like, you know, like let me let's put it this way: you have a car. Let's say your car is your turntable, and you need a motor to make that motherfucker go, and that would be the fucking record. But you're gonna spend a thousand bucks. Are you not gonna want to hear that engine run before you put it in your car? Right. Gonna want to hear that record before you put that kind of money down. Yeah. And because uh, I've sold some pretty pricey yeah. albums that are up there around a thousand bucks. Which they make bucks. it so you gotta, you know, you can put little videos. Everybody wants, you know. But I, I don't blame anybody. You're spending even over a hundred bucks. I would be. I'd want to know every little nuance. I mean. And I'd want free shipping. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I always do that online. Like if if. Anything I'm selling is over $100. I always give free yeah, shipping. Yeah, yeah. Um, another uh, statistic that was in that article was, uh, unsurprisingly, the most sold vinyl of 2022 was Taylor Swift's Midnight, with 945,000 physical copies sold. How many did you buy? Zero. Well, well for the store? Yeah. Um, six. Did they all go quick? Not as fast as I actually, like, thought they were going to. I remember there was a guy from a previous record store day that came in who was a guy I've never seen before and was all butthurt because he wouldn't sell, sell all, all three. Of them. Yeah. yeah. That was for that 7-inch that became well, okay. super valuable overnight gotcha. for whatever reason. I think Folklore was the name of it. But it became, it was like a $15 7-inch and... I know there was stores that were selling raffles for the chance to be able to buy it. Holy shit. Which I felt like it's not, it's not in the record store day terms, I don't think so, because you have to sign a pledge right. leading into each record store day. Like Even if you already signed it for the previous one, they make you review it and re-agree to the terms. And I don't believe that it's in there, that you can't do that, but I feel like that should be in there. Yeah, like You cheat. can't sell off raffle tickets for the chance to be able to buy it like that's yeah, I, I don't know that's just double fucking, dipping that so let's just say like you why be greedy was, about it right one record here that everybody wanted and you charged 20 bucks to the 10 people that wanted that record yeah so you got two and then only one to three people get a chance to buy it right that yeah that seems fucked up i mean I had, when it comes to record store day because yeah yeah you're taking the whole spirit out of it. Like, yeah, and it becomes, like, I hate when leading into Record Store Day, you see people who you know have to either own stores or there's a select amount of people who sell their pre-orders in advance, which I don't understand how that works because you're not guaranteed to be able to get whatever you're trying to sell. So... They'll, like, go in and be like, I'm going to pick this, 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 and this up for Record Store Day. And it's already for sale on eBay days before Record Store Day even happens. So they're selling their potential sale. Right. And I would imagine you'd be refunded if they didn't get it. I would hope so. <laughs> you know. But let's say, like the Taylor Swift thing, people were selling those seven inches for 500 bucks. Holy and. Not just asking, like they were selling. I was watching them oh, go. I, like, I believe it, dude. The T morning Swift of is just that is and insane. Just like I'm not a greedy person, so like 
But I know there's stores that'll just take all those and be like, well, well, those are going online. I'm not going to let my customers get them. I had three, three? Yeah, I had three copies of Folklore. I could have easily put them online for four to 500 bucks a piece and sold them all. Yeah. And not and just told the store that or told my customers like oh, I didn't get any like yeah and just paid rent for the last like it, couple months because most people most stores didn't get over three to five copies of that record because the allocation was just insane yeah crazy. everybody wanted it there's not so, enough copies blah blah but I sold yeah. them all fifteen bucks a piece that one guy wanted to buy all three I told him no because there was people in line that like were. I mean, they were waiting out there all morning right, to right. get that shit. Like, one girl even cried because she didn't get yeah. it, which I felt bad for. But, you know, it is the name of the game. And one girl cried because she got it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't let your but, yeah, greed. You can't, you don't, you're not, you're like, I'm not going to be the one to fucking take that, take that away from somebody. Yeah, I like seeing the people that can't like that guy traveled 4 hours to get here or whatever because right. he knows that wherever he was from he wouldn't have had a chance right. cuz there's a line around the fucking block exactly. in the morning like we have 30 40 people in line not 70 to 100 or whatever right right so he assumed that he had a better chance and he i mean he did he got it but i'm not going to i would rather see somebody who came into my shop and was like oh sweet i got it you know, I'm going to come here next year. Yeah. Like, that means more to me than a one-time $500. Like, I would rather you give me your repeat business as a customer and you be able to spread the reputation of the store Most as, definitely. like, you're not a greedy dickhead. Um, do you remember a perfect example of that? Do you remember the, the girl that got the last Ramones box set? Yeah. And came uh, with her parents? Yep. And they were like, that shit was awesome, man. They were all fucking mad happy, and the dad was, like, our age, but he was like, I don't know what this Ramones is all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? But it was cool, man, and that chick was mad happy that that was there. That was the last one. It was pretty cool. And it's cool to see people do that. And then there were a few people that missed out on it that were like, you know, I I was close. Like, number six got it. I was number right, eight. Right. Like, maybe I'll get here earlier next year or whatever, yep. you know? So it's cool to see people have that outlook for it. But I just don't like that store owners are getting greedy about it and either selling the shit online ahead of time, not allowing their customers to get it, or yeah, selling raffles. Bullshit. Like, why would you, why have the storefront to begin with then? Right. Like, your right. customers should be your main concern instead of how can I make as much money as possible off of every little tiny thing? I You're, just, I don't, isn't, okay, I know that you sign an agreement or whatever, but. You technically cannot sell any of that shit online until after record. It's at technically after um, one p.m. that day. Oh, that's nothing. It's I almost shouldn't. They shouldn't be able to sell that shit online for a, I would a while because I think that that would definitely alleviate a lot of that shit. Yeah. Now, but then I people will would say, fucking hoard them too. I will say that um, I try to i try to let everybody have their fair shot of getting everything like the way i run record store oh, most definitely dude and i think it's but like perfect. with with whatever i have left over like after that weekend or whatnot mm -hmm. yeah i put it online but a lot of times 
after that initial weekend, like the the excitement for the sales depletes, so they don't move as quickly. So well, and you know, like around here, you and I both know who's gonna get what, and if it's not yeah. gone by ex- whatever you know time, you know that it's yeah. most likely not gonna go. You know, or you know, and there's other people online looking for that. Maybe right. they missed it at their store, but. I, you know, I just wish stores would do that shit, but that's getting off topic. But anyways, another thing in that article that I just wanted to finish off with was vinyl sales in the U.S. broke a record in the final weeks of 2022 as they hit an all-time high in the week ending December 22nd with 2.232 million records being sold. Uh, The previous record was set during the week of... 2021 being the same week where 2.115 million records were sold. So, yeah, it's coming to it, a plateau a it, little bit. Yeah, it's funny how the article makes it, it sound reads, like it's plummeting. It make, Yeah, it makes it sound like, oh, vinyl's done with. Like, uh, <laughs> no, it's, no. one, it's still breaking each previous year's record. Right. And two, I mean, you're still getting millions and millions of physical sales in a yep. digital age where people for the longest time prior to the last handful of years, we're not buying it like they are now. Exactly, yeah. And that means that there's a lot of repeat fucking buyers. Yeah. That's what that says to me. And collectors and, of all different ages yeah. and types of people and all different shapes, forms of music. I mean, there's shit that I didn't, that I've learned from at the record store and just, you know, there's so much out there that it's. If you go look at like, say upcoming vinyl releases this week and there's 400 different titles, to be honest, I probably may only know 20 of those artists, Yeah, you know, and it's like, and you want to check, listen to everything, but it's like you just said, it's, it's just. The variety is insane. You can listen to whatever you want. The Cure Wish repops come out this week. Yeah, that's gonna. That's definitely getting added to. And Cannibal Corpse Hammer Smashed Face. <laughs> but, but yeah, but yeah. Let's uh, get done with the news here and move into our actual episode. Well, no I mean, effects. technically, this is our actual episode. I know what you're saying. We'll move into Hello. what the content that we. Uh, put the episode around so no effects final tour final tour um 40 year anniversary for the band the band was formed in 1983 uh Fine. in la by fat mike eric melvin and eric sandon blows me away man yeah i mean that's a long a long career and the cool thing about the tour that i like is that they're doing 40 different shows but each show has its own unique set list. They're yeah. doing 40 songs for each show, but each show will different. have different songs. Yeah. So, And that goes to show the span of their career of the amount of songs that they well, put Jesus, out for dude, one. Yeah. Like, they've had 15 studio albums, 16 EPs, multiple live records. Um, they've sold 8 million records worldwide. And they've done all that while never being on a major label at all, ever. So straight up, never sold out and sold 8 million records. That's just, yeah, you can't fuck it. Whether you like NoFX or not, that's a fucking, that's a respect thing right there, man. Just by that, I mean, they are 
one of the most successful independent bands ever across any genre of music. Right. And it was in a genre of music that they thought that really there was no hope to make a living no, off man. of at all. Like when You're they started in, about farts and dicks and yeah. buttholes and funny shit. And not really being able to play all that well, at least initially. Right. They, but that was kind of what was charming about them really is what made them have their sound is they, they weren't technical like, you know, some of the people in bands that were around in the, the early 80s like that. And it added to the appeal of the band in a way. Oh, yeah, it like was Descendants just, versus No Effects. You'd yeah. be like, No Effects is barely playing a chord while Descendants became, I mean, they're fucking shredder, dude. Yeah, but they loved, like legitimately enjoyed and loved thoroughly what they were doing. Right. So even though they were playing bad, they put so much heart into it that it made it good. And they they're known for fucking touring nonstop without, you know, and sucking and sucking. And they basically just, I want to say, got, you know, after reading, they got better just basically because they kept playing. Yep. That's it. That's it. Simple as that, man. They really, they really didn't get any sort of recognition until like Punk and Drublick. Yeah, it took them, like, t- that's a good 10, 11 years before. Yeah, this is their, I believe, sixth studio album. And, and that's the big uh, <laughs> second wave of punk rock in the 94 wave. Or, yeah, it was yeah. like the Offspring, um, Green Day, Rancid, Nirvana would have been in there. Yeah. And these bands that were huge that started to make punk and grunge and alternative, like, a little more popular... Mm-hmm. And more, I don't want to say radio accessible really at that time yet, but more accessible to the general public to where like they were selling out festivals and all this other stuff. But like MTV came along. Yeah, and MTV came along and like that really helped blow up Nirvana and Green Day and all that. But No Effects never wanted to be on MTV. Like they they didn't shoot any music videos until SM Airlines. And even that music video was like pretty shitty. Pretty shitty. <laughs> I think one yeah. of them, if I remember correctly, one of them had a cast on or something when they were trying to jump around. And I mean, the video is like just all these different frames of, I think it was on an airstrip, if I remember correctly. And they were just playing. And, um, but they, ne- they didn't want to be like the, commercial band that like green day was or nirvana was or whatever they wanted to be their own band doing their own thing not having to answer to anybody and they got to do it independently alongside of all these huge huge bands like while they were playing out sold out festivals and green day had to answer to a label at the end of the show and they were expected to do this, that, and the other that was in their contract. Like, no effects got to do whatever the fuck they felt like. Right, because, like, Fat Mike was the boss, kind of. Yeah. Not not so much in the band, but at the label-ish shit. Can I, uh, I want to mention a side note since we're talking about Green Day and no effects. Correct me if I am wrong, but <clears throat> I do believe no effects accidentally kidnapped Billy Joe Armstrong as a child yep. from um, Gilman Street. 
Um, That's pretty funny. I can't remember if it was Melvin or Smelly. Yeah, one of them fucking took the van or whatever, and wasn't he in the back? Yeah, one of them stole a van. I want to say it was Smelly. We'll go I'd with have Smelly. To, I'd have to go back in the book again. But um, Smelly was for, all drugged out at that time, yeah. so we'll say it was Smelly. For reference, uh, No Effects has a book called The Hepatitis Bathtub and other stories that is all the four members of No Effects and even some of the previous members of No Effects before Hefe joined the band. Yep. It's um, a must read. It's all different stories and perspectives of like their start of No Effects, growing up in the band, growing with the band, departing the band, whatever, and all the craziness that surrounded it. But smelly i believe which is the drummer stole a van and there ended up being a child in the back seat <laughs> who they later discovered was billy joe armstrong from green day it's just funny like how uh that's a bizarre coincidence it is exactly like how small the world is yeah and you're and you're right so when green day signed to oh i don't even remember anymore but they were on their own little shit label, and then they were on, well, whatever put Dookie out, man, I am at a loss. But like you said, they had to answer. But they looked up. They wanted to be no effects. Like that'll come. That's come straight out of Billy Joel Armstrong's mouth, you know. Reprise Records put out. Okay. Okay. Dookie. So they were on the same label as Eric fucking Clapton at that time. Yeah. Which was like a huge accomplishment. Oh, I mean, yeah, like, that label was insane. That label was massive compared to like what Epitaph and Fat right. Records were at the time. Um, That's uh, for anybody that doesn't know. They also put out Sinatra albums back in the day. I mean, it's just like a humongo label. Yeah, Fat Mike built Fat Records. I believe '91 was when the company started, and they've. I mean, pretty much every good band from that era that you can think of with the exception of like bad religion and stuff that was on epitaph right. was like their counterpart basically when it comes to independent labels but they had like lag wagon strung out good riddance what um, i always liked about the fat records and fat mike's outlook on it was like he got bands that he liked yeah not, you know straight up not fucking oh they might make money oh they might do this it was never I like the music, man. Fuck, it was never about out. money. Yeah, right. It was legitimately like we like your music. Like Lagwagon was one of the first bands yep. signed to Fat Records, and the first like run of bands that he signed just happened to be fucking great and sold albums like a lot. Timing. You know, he like Fat Mike had that ear to where he picked up on that. Right. Um, I know that Strung Out was a band that he was really on the fence about. Uh, you can check this out in the uh, Fat Records documentary. It's on um, Tubi. Mm. Uh, I can't. Was Always it called free. a fat something. I can't. A fat movie, maybe or some a fat shit. wreck. I thought a fat wreck. That's what it was. I knew it was a fat something, and it didn't have records in it. But wreck. But anyways, uh, the people, the dudes from Strung Out, actually like came and carpeted Mike's condo. Because he was really on the fence about signing them because they okay. were almost too metal, he was saying. Fuck, I love Strong. But, yeah, they're great. But he was like, I like you guys, but like I'm on the fence about it because like, 
It was just for they had a little too metallic. For yeah, that yeah. Movie. And that makes sense. But then though. they offered to come carpet his condo in L.A. and the, he was like, "Oh fuck it, you're signed." That's awesome. Um, I didn't know that story. It's yeah, great. I was watching the documentary last night and seen that. I thought that was funny. But uh, Fat Records formed in 1991. Um, they've released 157 albums to date, which is huge. And yeah, for an independent, fucking, that's good shit. Yeah, they've had, you know, Descendants, Leftover Crack, Propagandi, uh, Against Me, just uh, so many fucking good bands that came out of that era. I mean, they were either on Epitaph or Fat Records, pretty much. Now, I'm not a um, fan of Against Me, but, and I have seen them live, so I can say, like, I don't fucking, I don't care for the band. Mm -hmm. But, did... Are they still on Fat Records, or did they end up going to a major? Don't you know? I'm not sure. I don't know off the top of I my head. I just know that band, once that dude became a chick, they blew the fuck up. Yeah. I mean, like, cover of Rolling Stone and shit. And I I don't, I mean, I don't know if they were still on uh, Fat Records. As far as I know, they stayed on, but I don't know about, like, in recent years. Okay. I, I mean, I wasn't sure, because I could Because I don't that. really listen to them either, right. so it... It's hard to say, but I know like Lagwagon's still on there, and Good Riddance, and like the All the, the, the classic bands that was like Fingers Louie, were they? On yeah, there? I believe so. Yeah, the first like wave or the first era, I should say, of like that first ten years. Yeah, they still like ninety five percent of those bands are still right. on there and never went anywhere because fuck he, he did good. he did right by his bands yep. like he was basically like, I'm going to help you guys out with suggestions and advice for your first album So, because the first album's important. Like, it's like a first impression. Right. You know, you have that one chance to make an impression on somebody and that's going to last because most people don't pick up on a band and, like, their sixth record and be like, that's the one. Like, Unless either, you're Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's like the or, fourth. Or they lost hope by that time because right, they're like, right. you guys' first few albums fucking sucked. So right. They just don't go on past that or whatever. But he would give advice on the first record to got it like kind of get their feet planted. But he always gave the artists like full control over anything. Like this is your music, you can release it how you want to. But here's what you could do to help that or what I would do to do this or whatever. And that and, shit sounds like pretty like whatever now, nowadays, like, yeah, so what? But at the time, that shit was unheard of. Yeah, the only label that, that did that like that to that extent would have been, been Epitaph? Epitaph or Blue Note. Oh, Blue Note, yeah. Because Blue Note did right by all their yeah, artists. they let them do whatever and pretty much. Alfred and Frank gave people... Like, they were just legitimately fans, so they weren't trying to have creative control over the artist's music. They were like, I'm a fan of you. Right, I want you right. to express this on the album how you should or how you feel that as an artist that it would work. And Fat, I don't know if Fat Mike, like, took that from Blue Note Records I fucking doubt as it. inspiration, but... uh he just, I think, had that in him as a fan. So, like, without knowing, the same circumstances applied to where he was a legitimate fan of the music, of the genre, and just wanted to be able to release good music. It wasn't about getting rich. It wasn't about breaking charts. It oh, yeah, about... he just wanted to help out, like, 
bands that he liked. Fucking let's help. Let's get your shit out. And by keeping that integrity in the company, he, like Blue Note, built one of the most successful labels in his genre and ever in general. Like the, because Blue that, Note. That's why I asked the against me question because I was just wondering that would have to be like one of their highest fucking selling bands, you know? Yeah. Or I, I just was wondering on and that. And Blue Note was later bought out by another company, um, I believe UMG. Universal oh, Music, yeah, they, Universal they Music own Group everything. owns, but Fat Records has always been family owned. I mean, it was operated outside of Fat Mike's living room yep. or his attic or both. What, you know, I think he switched it around his house a few times. But to make that impact on music on something that you just started out of your living room yeah, that you that's weren't pretty crazy. That's fucking. It's impressive. Um, I guess that's that'd be your um, American dream fulfilled. Yeah. Like we were talking earlier, the shit that's promised to people, or at least you think is promised to you, is bullshit. Yep. Unless you're a fat Mike. They are still releasing music. Uh, they did just release a new album called The Double Album on December 2nd, I believe, of the end of last year. And then in September of last year, they announced that they would be starting their tour being their end tour throughout 2023 and end it in 2024. And it does say that uh, the article does say with a quote from Fat Mike that says, this is not a final tour like Motley Crue or Black Sabbath. Um, these are the very last shows no effects will ever be playing. We are going to play with all our hearts, with all our joy, and then we are done. We are done, done. I um. I believe these are uh they are done done for anybody that would think that doubt it I I totally believe he's done just to not be just to not be too Black Sabbath or to be yeah. one of those fucking idiot bands I mean he's true to his word cuz right. how many fucking end tours did Black Sabbath have No and it, exactly And how many times has Motley Crue been like we're done and then they're fucking doing another show Okay I'm going to I'll give you an example um I went as a family went and saw Bane twice on their final tour and they have since played a couple of fucking shows here and you know what i'm saying like every band it seems like at some point or another breaks that final fucking tour bullshit right but no effects isn't fucking joking you know they're i mean you gotta like you 40 years man they've been playing they're getting up there in age they don't yeah. want to be fucking mick jagger and keith richards fucking stumbling around you know yeah and i think that Fat Mike and the associates at the label will still be manning the label, obviously. Like, it's not like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not just, like Fat Records is dissolving with no band. effects. It's just the band will no longer be touring. And I did read somewhere that they have... I could see him playing once in a great while, though. Yeah, but it'll probably be, like, in their years. area of, like, L.A. and stuff. Oh, most definitely. And it'll be a one-off show or something. Yeah, definitely. But I did read that they have, like, three other either EPs or albums. To come out? To come out after the one that just came out. Um, I don't know. I can't remember where I read it, so I don't know if that's factual or not or if it's just kind of speculated rumor. But Well, to be honest, I think that they have so much material that they could probably release shit in, until they die without ever re, without ever recording anything new. 
I, yeah. that's that's what I think. I think there's that much in their fucking back catalog. Because they probably have a ton of shit that they didn't release on an album. Because right. even they, if it's like 30 seconds. Yeah. You know what I it mean? It either didn't fit the record or... Um, who knows? You know, who yeah. knows what the circuit... Maybe they were just like, fuck that, I'm releasing this as a 7-inch. Or... Well, remember that album that was uh, like 45 or 46 songs that didn't make it on other albums? Yeah. You got to imagine there's, you know, that was... A couple more records worth yeah, of material yeah. like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, what is, like, out of NoFX's career, if you had to pick an album, what would be your favorite NoFX album? Well, it would be, my favorite one is White Trash, Two Ebs. sorry about the mic, White Trash, Two Ebs and a Bean <clears throat> is my favorite Um to listen to and uh it's the first one with El Jefe um I don't know who's still in the band today since White Trash was what 92 92 yeah it's like they got the same lineup yeah since then and I believe that yeah that was the first record that they have the lineup that they have now well basically the lineup that everybody knows yeah I believe Sticking in My Eye was like the first no effects song I remember ever hearing. I yeah, think it was on yeah. a skate video too. Um I also like the uh, Straight Edge cover on that album. Like I'm pretty sure I heard Straight Edge from No Effects before Minor Threat. I like how they sing it like they're like crooners yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, really it's, it's really badass. Like, it's almost like mockery of it. No, totally. And and I also as a kid thought that no effects did stand for no fucking straight edge for the longest time. I thought that. Oh yeah, I can see that. But um, it does it, mean no effects, as in like a delay effect right. type of thing. Um, but I know that they got they got the inspiration no from the band uh, from a band from a Boston band called Negative Effects. Right. That was where that the no effects came from. I'm trying to think of what. The what no effects was called before no effects. Oh, you have to go like right into the beginning of, of the book there. False alarm, it's right here. Oh, nice. <laughs> I knew it was like right in the beginning of the book. Well, uh, and then also Fat Records was also known as Colossal Wassel before it oh, was, yeah, I before it was that. Fat Records. I forgot to mention that when we were talking yeah, about if it. If you happen to have a record out there with that imprint on it, that'd be pretty cool. I think the first. The first thing that they put out was um, Fat Music for Fat People. Okay. It had those two little fat people on it. Yep. The cartoons, drawings. Compilation. Yeah. But uh, this album came out November 5th, 92, and it's only 32 minutes long. I mean, it's short, you know, but like a lot of their albums are. But yeah, it's my favorite one. It's cool. It's hard to pick a favorite one, man. I know. But I'm just saying, like, I just go by as favorite, like, because everything changes with your mood day right, to day or right, whatever. Right. So like you Bob's might on here, you might you know? be listening to a show or an album one day and you're in this mood and it resonates with you a certain way, and then you move to, let's say, the war on errorism or oh, something for like sure. that. And a like, man that's like that kind of going so with you easy better. To do that. Yeah, but I just go by like, what do you? What is your go-to? You that's know? my go-to. Like, so I would say pump up the volumes. My go-to. 
That'd be that's I love be right up there with. I love view. the songs, like the humor behind him, and like the song about like his parents being cool and coming to his shows and stuff, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like uh, like what's wrong with my parents these days? And Louise was really funny, and my vagina, and just the humor that was layered into their songs. But it's cool when you read the book, and you can go back and read like like who Bob was written about or uh, what Nubs was written about right. or like just certain little songs. Evan that, the book is fucking awesome yeah, for that. That you can reference back to to where you're like, shit, I've heard this song a million times. I didn't know that it was a real guy that was inspiring the story or whatever. So right, right. it's cool to get that context on it. Like who Bob was and shit like that. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, just hilarious funny ass stories in there like when uh fat mike pissed in that patron bottle <laughs> yeah 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 and then like gave it to all the fans but he switched the bottle or whatever mm-hmm. backstage but everybody thought that he was drinking his pee and then like you can read that on wikipedia or whatever but then what it doesn't tell you is he forgot to take the bottle of pee at the end of the show and somebody stole the fifth so he was like, somebody somewhere drank my pee. Like, thinking that <laughs> like was, unknowingly right, thinking, thinking that they booze. got a free bottle. That's hilarious. I really, um, yeah, anybody gets a chance to read that book, um, I suggest it or even listen to it. You know, if you're not into reading, there's audio version of it. Don't well, they all read it, like is, their yeah, parts on yeah. the audio version? So it's pretty cool. I, I haven't listened to the entire thing, but I listened to, you know, 10 minutes of it. And, yeah, they do it. It's pretty cool. I would imagine that coming from their mouths, it would read out because the book is so fun to read because like when you get a story that's going on and there's like Mike telling it and yeah, then you like, get all the viewpoints and then and Melvin kicks in with his yep. viewpoint of it and like what was going on from his side of things and you get each perspective of the story. That's I like that a lot. I like how it was very easy to put down, like put down in the sense of the way that the book's laid out is you could read one of those little stories and uh, it'll stop at, say, whatever, March 18th, 2000. And then the next one might be fucking November 1986. You know, they go yeah. back, whatever. I love how you can you can read it like that, you know. It's, it's fun. And it's cool to see how their career progressed, like from going to, like, sleeping on floors during shows to where they were like holy shit we came back from tour and made a profit like right, and right. it was like a small profit but like still yeah they're I like remember i remember reading that yeah it was like they made a a thousand dollars or three grand or I something was, yeah two or three grand and it was like from holy like fuck like the first money. time that they made profit right yeah. it was like the and then i remember tour. like they say something about like making uh like nine grand or something profit mm-hmm. and fat mike was like i could totally live off that like great yeah, like yep, i can do yep. this as a job i don't have to fucking because prior to going into running his own label and all that shit like i believe he was trying to be a real estate agent yeah he was could you you know how yeah. awesome it would be to have mike fat mike selling you a house but like if he would have been a real estate agent and not fat mike he would have it wouldn't be the same, really. But I think he'd be in a, he would have been an amazing used car. I think salesman. so too. Yeah, because he's like kind of a like-minded person. I like I've never met him personally, but you know, like 
watching interviews, listening to his podcast, mm-hmm. and just seeing documentaries, reading the book, whatever. Like, he's a pretty level-headed, like-minded dude to where he ain't gonna bullshit you into the fucking house. Like, if he was trying to sell it to you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just think that it'd be odd to see him dressed as a woman trying to sell you that house. Yeah, or like in a gimp suit or something. <laughs> Sir, why are you walking funny? Oh, I have an anal bead in my ass. Sorry about that. Yeah. I don't know. Some people might buy the house. That's true. Of like, yeah, I would. If you come this way, here's a sex dungeon that you and your, uh, <laughs> you know. I just imagined Fat Mike getting, you guys all got to read the book. I'm just going to stop right there. It is not for a person with a weak, a weak stomach. stomach. I will say that. Like, there is a lot of gross druggy shit a lot of sexual shit um but if you're in any way shape or form interested in no effects like you will flat out love the book because it it is some great stories yeah i mean aside from their ending tour i really don't have like a whole lot like i didn't want to do a whole biopic on the band because most most average people know who no effects is or at least know a couple songs. Like well, if shit, you if you've played Tony okay. Hawk, like oh yeah, that's you know, true. You know, that's true. you know, no effects. So because separation of uh, church and skate was on there. Oh, one thing that was in the documentary that I thought was, was that War on Erosum? Yeah, Erosum. Yeah, yeah. That was when they did like the the Rock Against Bush compilations right, right. and tours. Um, one funny thing that was. Uh, Fat Records did their 25th anniversary tour in 2015. Okay. And they did a bunch of shows. They had, like, compilations and some other shit. And then, like, at the end of all of it, Fat Mike was like, it was only our 24th anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. (laughs) I thought that was funny. But one thing, like, that really interested me when I was watching the documentary is the uh, singer from Propagandi. Yep. The Canadian? Yeah, the Canadian. I believe his name's Chris. During that time of when Fat Mike was doing the punk voter shit and um, trying to get punk kids and people his age interested in voting to try to not let Bush be president right. anymore, Propagandi like, dissed Fat Mike on a song. And then in their album, they put a picture of Fat Mike shaking hands with John Kerry. <laughs> and had this like little disclaimer and stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. And like in the documentary, it said like Fat Mike was like, that upset me, you know, that like hurt me. But then at like the same time, you know, he was asking people like, what would they do? Like, would you? And everybody was like, fuck that, drop the band, fuck those guys. And he was like, it's kind of cool though. Like the balls on the band, like I'm the president of the label. And he's like, comedians take shots at each other all the time. Right. Why can't musicians do it? Right. And so he decided to go ahead and release it. And I thought, and he was like, whatever, fuck it. I still made money off it. Like when it comes down to exactly. it, he's like, if it, if anything, like if they were really trying to hurt you, hurt me, like yeah, they like, I got the last laugh. So I thought that was like very respectful or respectable of him to be able to do that because most people would not be like. Oh, they dissed me. Like, think about if, like, when Tupac and Biggie were dissing each other, uh-huh. like, if Biggie was the head of the label that Tupac was on, like, would he have let, would he have let Hail Mary come out? No way. No way. Because yeah. there's 
that ego that yeah, goes right, with that. Right. But like, I think that's just uh, Fat Mike, you know, setting out like you like we talked about earlier. He's gonna let artists be who they are, yeah. even if that's at the expense of his reputation, if you will. Because I, he doesn't strike me, and he isn't the type to really give a flying fuck. No, I don't think he cares one way or the yeah. other how anybody sees him obviously like he's always been his own dude so i just think like most 99 percent of any label executives anything would never in a million years let that shit fly so yeah put out an album kudos to fat mike for allowing them to be able to put that out on his label and as far as i know they've squashed that since then or whatever like that was years ago but i mean that was cool to me because definitely and the fact that he runs the label with his ex-wife is, you know, most people wouldn't be able to keep a cordial relationship like that to where they're like, this is business, not like we're going to let our personal issues like get in the way of us running the label because well, like, they run yeah. it like it's a family. Well, I mean, like everybody I knows. Like, yeah, we're there. getting fucking divorced. Why are we going to let our livelihoods fucking go down the drain as well? Yeah, and it wouldn't operate the same no, it's without her being there just because those, all the bands it, that have been the there this long, they all are comfortable with right, her. Like right. she's, you know, doing all what she does oh, there and everything. Definitely. So like it would have tore the label apart. So that's respectable to be able to set your um, differences aside and move forward beyond that. Uh, I I like that. In fact, Mike, that means a lot. Yeah, it doesn't seem he's not doesn't seem the type to hold a garage, I guess. No. I mean, in the end at the end of the day, like he's a fan. Uh, it's kinda like Jack White with Third Man. Like right, you can legitimately right, tell right. he's a fan of what he does and he's just he doesn't let his fucking any ego get to his head or the amount of like That's just it, yeah. Because like the most people aside. you're like, You run the most successful independent label ever. Like that would go to their head. Yep. Like, most people would be like, fuck you, I did all this uh-huh. shit by myself. Like, fuck you, I don't need you. Whatever. So, I, you know, it says a lot about him as a person that he can do that. On the flip side of that coin, he is, like, the only person I've ever heard of who turned 30 and then started fucking messing with recreational things that he shouldn't. I always thought that was fucked up. Yeah. I mean, that's his choice, though. Is no, I is. know, but I, I just want to say It did that, seem like, like it went backwards, because most people do that shit when they're younger and then grow out of it, but yeah, he, like, grew into it. Yeah, it's very awkward. Just, but, I mean, I guess if you... It's a good study on a fucking human psyche is all, I'm, all yeah, I mean. If you do it safely and whatever... Uh, Not to, I don't want to say safely, but, you know, like, not let it consume your life, I guess. Know when to separate this from that. But that's not my place to say anything. Yeah, all I'm no, saying that is what it is. For me, no effects. You can go to any fucking house party around these neck of the woods on any given fucking Saturday, and I'm sure no effects is playing at somebody's house. And if it's not, somebody will put it on, and it'll be Bob or fucking stick in my eye or a linoleum or whatever. We're talking about you, Fildo. We are talking about Fildo, yeah. Or uh, Adam Kirchhoff's house. 
<laughs> DJed by Fildo. DJed by <laughs> Fildo, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we love No Effects is fun, man. I mean... Yeah, that's what makes them a good band to me is right. the fun. Like, they don't have to be all serious, and they don't have to... Like, Green Day gets real serious as their career goes on. Right, like, right. They're on the cover of Rolling Stone. They're selling, like, platinum albums and shit, like... And that's cool. That is what, you know, they do what they do. That's their lane and whatever. But um, I just like the fun behind no effects. Like that's exactly. What, that's like what you what can put a no effects record on and it's fucking, it'll, it'll, it's silly. It's kind of like, I mean, Blink-182 pretty much like stole that from no effects. Like that self-deprecating humor. Oh, definitely. And, and you can, you shitty can music for Blink-182 shitty people. and they'll be like, Oh, yeah, yeah they we ripped you. off the descendants and no effects. It's even it's in the book. You're right. <laughs> like they t- they straight up said it. But I mean, why not? Like that was the sound at that time and it worked for them, obviously. And I don't know. Like a lot of artists seem to not make their music fun like that anymore. Like everything's so serious. Uh it's just yeah. Maybe it's just a sign of the time, so too, man. I don't know. It could be. Um, but do you have anything else you want to add here, yeah. or you want to wrap this up? I'm uh, I'm kind of good. If you're good, I okay. I have to take a leak as usual when we do these things. That's the first time you made it through a whole episode without because I pissed twice before, sir. <laughs> yeah. Give it up for that. Yep. Um, <laughs> But no, man, anybody, it's like uh, Heavy Petting Zoo, that's another album I like. And you can't really go wrong with any No Effects album, really. Nah. You grab one, and it's kind of like, again. Even their later stuff. Like yeah. I don't know if you listen to Double Album at all or not. The, the closest, I, um, the newest I have is uh, Don't Trust a Hippie. Okay. Double Album and Single Album were actually like pretty, pretty good. fucking good. Yeah. Like, I really liked them. And... You know, but that, like I said, that's Fat Mike and the band. Like right. They, they're going to stay true to what they enjoy doing. Well, that's just not trying you know, to differentiate a, from that. You can grab any No Effects album off a shelf and you know what you're going to get. Yeah. It's not like they there were like no mid career, like, we're going to make an industrial album <laughs> because industrial's in right, right now. Or right. Yeah. They, fucking, they never strayed from the fucking sound that they created. And. The sound that they created made a huge impact because think of how many bands that followed after that that were, they wanted to sound like that or were inspired by that or whatever. And, you know, it's... I think Fat Mike's songwriting doesn't get as much credit as it deserves either. No. um, Lyrically. Over the years, you know, I think maybe that'll come around. I think once they, like, now that they're doing their farewell tour... And they're going to end as yeah, a band. Yeah, people are like, oh, shit. Now people are going to start, like, giving them recognition right. for this and that and the other. Right. Um, and, I mean, they rightfully deserve it. Not that they shouldn't have gotten it already oh, at no, this whole I'm a, time. I'm like, a total uh, no-effects supporter when it comes to they deserve a lot of respect for opening a shit ton of doors for. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for them, there wouldn't be a... like. Metal bands wouldn't have the opportunities they have now. You know, it's not just punk rock. Yeah, I mean, they paved the way for a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. Like they were 
they're writing the blueprint on successful independent labels, basically. Yeah, that, yeah. Without even, like, really... Realizing what they're doing. Yeah, like, they it's were totally just natural. doing it because they enjoyed doing it. It's not like they were, like... And, uh, you know, there's a lot of brains that go behind it. I'm not trying to take that away at all. Right, right, right. But uh, there was a, a lot of heart that went into it. But, anyway, uh, we're going to get up out of here. Um, check out NoFX's latest album, Devil Album. Um once they announce the tour dates for everything, I mean, if you're able to, definitely go see them live. And, I mean, I've, I've seen NoFX at Warp Tour, like, years and years and years ago. One band I've never seen. I'm wondering, I'm guessing they'll probably come to Michigan. Oh, I'm like, sure if they'll I can, play DT. If I can catch their last show, I would definitely go. I would, yeah, definitely. But anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Um, tune in next week. We will be interviewing Tristan from Alevalon and talking about his bands and his label. And it's going to be fun, man. First just fucking all interview. All sorts of other things. Yeah. First interview. So stay tuned for that. And then we do have some stuff coming up with Illmatic, who we played in our last episode. And then Anonymous also somewhere in between or after that we have a lot of big things coming so stay tuned um i'm out of here peace, peace.